faster than expected. Abrupt climate change and the consequences for us and other living beings on our Earth. No one should be alone in the greatest challenge of our time. Thanks to Laura Upshaw for African Drum Dance on YouTube. Here's your host, Wolfgang Werminghausen. Welcome to the 18th episode of my Faster Than Expected podcast. These days, climate disruption leads to an exponential occurrence of disasters. Hence, I'm talking with the American disaster manager Nick from Relief Analysis. Here are some headlines of the last weeks, now early in October 2017. Australia, Birdsville, Queensland, is forecasted to reach 43C on Wednesday. This comes from weatherzone.com.au. Puerto Rico faces humanitarian crisis as towns go without fresh water power. A humanitarian crisis grew Saturday in Puerto Rico as towns were left without fresh water, fuel, power or phone service, following Hurricane Maria's devastating passage across the island. This is from Talking talkingpointsmemo.com You'll find all the links in the show notes. Louisiana. The recent flooding of Louisiana was pervasive and affected communities in several parishes. Towns like Livingston and other areas of the state were completely devastated. Many families lost everything they own and are still living in shelters and hotels. The government and mainstream media has done very little to help. This is from Confluence Documentary. Paul Beckwith discusses Can Hurricanes Trigger Earthquakes? You find this on paulbeckwith.net. Al Jazeera in August 2017. Floods affect 16 million in Nepal, India and Bangladesh. Flood levels reach record highs in South Asia with more than 400 dead and hundreds injured and missing. Sam Karana sums it up. Extreme weather is upon us. Global warming is increasing in the intensity, occurrence, size, duration and impact of many catastrophic events, including wildfires, droughts, heat waves, cold snaps, storms, lightning, flooding and seismic events such as earthquakes and associated tsunamis. Ever larger numbers of people are getting hit directly by such events as well as indirectly due to lack of fresh water, food, shelter, medicine, health care and emergency services. This is from arcticnewsblogspot.de Chris Hedges asks, with a flooded Houston in mind, how many times will we rebuild Florida cities, Houston, coastal New Jersey, New Orleans and other population centers ravaged by storms lethally intensified by global warming? At what point surviving the devastation and knowing more is inevitable? Will we walk away, leaving behind vast coastal dead zones? This is from 
commondreams.org. There are lots and lots more headlines of current extreme weather events. Now I will have a talk with disaster manager Nick from Relief Analysis. Nick has Turkish roots, an Asian wife and two children. Well, he is a family man. On his website reliefanalysis.net he writes From 24 to 26 I serve for a disaster management think tank located in the Pacific Islands. That experience exposed me to the geopolitical sustainability and overall survival of Pacific Island nations and cultures. I have degrees in geography and international relations, and what I studied decades ago is woven into the fabric of this site and my interests. Nick had some very interesting interviews in his Relief Analysis podcast series. Now there is a break in this series. I hope we'll hear further episodes. Nick, welcome to my Faster Than Expected podcast episode. I'm glad that you spent some of your precious time for us. What are you working on? I guess you are very busy in one of those crisis regions. Wolfgang, thank you so much for having me on uh, your Faster Than Expected podcast. Mm -hmm. it, uh, I am uh, very busy, thank you, uh, working on... Uh, many of the crises that uh, impact us here in the in the southeast uh, United States, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it is a pleasure to to take time and to listen to your work, which is coming out, and it, it truly provides me with situational awareness and perspective on uh, what is occurring uh, in our quickly evolving disaster management profession. Mm -hmm. Uh, as you may be aware, our uh, hurricane season here on the eastern seaboard of the United States has been uh, quite exponential uh, in many ways. We had mm. Hurricane Harvey, which dropped over 60 inches of rain in parts of Houston. Uh, Hurricane Irma, which devastated Florida and, and other areas. And of course, Hurricane Marika, uh, Hurricane Maria, which mm. had a uh, absolutely devastating impact on Puerto Rico and uh, impact so devastating that you're seeing international NGOs such as Oxfam International mm -hmm. uh, attempt to deliver relief operations to that area. So it's it's truly an exponential situation as you referenced in your uh, introduction. It's quite amazing mm -hmm. to see. Uh, you're sure it's uh, exponential out of your view? I would say it's, it's exponential not only in Uh, the number of occurrences, but the duration and severity as well. Mm -hmm. In 2004 and 2005, we had very severe uh, storm impacts in the United States, uh, but you didn't have uh, the scale of these disasters with consistent category fours and five storms and the quantity of rain that's being delivered. And I believe uh, the work that folks like Paul Beckwith and Sam Karana are doing, looking at the interrelationships of uh, Arctic amplification, for example, on the the fraying and fracturing of the jet stream, has a lot to do with it. Nice. Uh, if you're analyzing these disasters before they have a um, an onset, and you look at some of the tools that that we all use, uh, Climate Reanalyzer or Earth Null School, et cetera, 
uh, you do see this uh, remarkable breakdown in our northern hemispheric jet stream patterns, and that truly is having an impact, and not mm -hmm. only on what is happening uh, with these storm impacts, but then their resulting impacts on our financial systems, economic systems, political and ge geopolitical systems as well. And ultimately, these are all tied together and we're, are going to influence the way that we can um, respond and recover as we go forward. Yes, of course. Um, now in these uh, disasters, we must... Uh, call it disasters. What is the first aid in such an extreme weather situation? The second step will be to do something against epidemics, uh, building infrastructure, water supply, shelter, food. And please tell us a little about uh, the steps of disaster management. Absolutely. It's, it's really a four-step cycle. Mm -hmm. In disaster management, uh, you begin, of course, with the event and the initial response. And during the response phase, you'll see medical surge, medical operations, uh, search and rescue, whether it could be water search and rescue or urban search and rescue, and your basic uh, emergency response functions, uh, life, uh, law enforcement, medical surge, and firefighting services. That's the response mm -hmm. phase. It will then, these disasters roll into a recovery phase. And recovery in, in any disaster is, is never easy. It is a long-term protracted process. Uh, it involves many uh, issues that have been long-standing in communities, uh, socioeconomic justice. Sometimes these disasters will mm -hmm. tear the Band-Aid off of long-standing issues uh, in communities. There's also socioeconomic issues, justice issues, uh, governance. And then there's the mitigation phase where you're trying to prevent future damages avoided by, by building back better, smarter, uh, engaging in strategic retreat when appropriate. Uh, and then that finally ties into the last phase of preparedness, which is where you're literally aligning your resources and your assets to prepare for the next disaster. And so these are four interrelated uh, phases of emergency management. And you are seeing them uh, simultaneously stressed when you have multiple yeah. cascading disasters. And you're talking about timeframes of years or maybe decades for rebuilding infrastructure and, and so on. You, Absolutely. Even in, in, in Houston, I think, uh, I cannot imagine when uh, the people can come back to their houses and um, work and school and so on. I don't think it is unreasonable to call these recovery processes uh, decades-long projects. There are some elements of Hurricane Katrina recovery that are still very much in place in New Orleans, Louisiana, and uh, the severity of what occurred in Houston, for example, will certainly take Uh, many years to decades to to resolve. Uh, and the trick is there's currently a, a, another name storm, Nate, which is uh, going towards the Gulf area. So uh, 
the, the problem is even as you begin your recovery process, you mm -hmm. are seeing this environment of increasingly cascading disasters. So you may not have the luxury to have minimal storm impacts as you're in your recovery process. You might you have to become more resilient as you continue through your long-term recovery. Uh, and we are in a exponential um, phase in in the beginning of this uh, exponential development of the weather extreme weather systems and i think we will have quite more and more heavy disaster situations it It is very true, Wolfgang. It certainly feels exponential. I think statistically, if you look at a number of metrics, uh, they're panning out to be uh, exponential. I, I think 60 inches of rain from a system was was pretty unheard of uh, over the last few years, but, but it occurred. Uh, a Category 4 and two Category 5 storms that all made landfall had not occurred Uh, over a very long duration of time, and now they're happening. And so you see among uh, professionals in the disaster field and, and members of the populace sort of a feeling of, of disbelief that is this really happening or I can't believe this is happening. But uh, if it is exponential, uh, it might just be in sort of the beginning phases of that onset. And I go back mm -hmm. to, uh, to Paul Beckwith's worth, uh, work looking at a potential blue ocean event and that we would see a almost 10, 10 times exponentiation in the duration, frequency, and severity of disasters. And mm -hmm. we didn't have a, quite a blue ocean event this summer in the Arctic, but there were some metrics that were very, very close, looking at sea ice volume, uh, very large expanses of open water currently that are still in the Arctic. So Even if you have a quasi-blue ocean event with some exponentiation, uh, we might not have begun to see what's going to occur as you drift towards a more likelihood of a blue ocean event by, say, 2020. Uh, what we're seeing now might just be the beginning. Yes. A very difficult question I have so often in my mind is um, – When we agree that this climate chaos is only the beginning of a radical change of our living conditions, and we will face, many people still do, I'm thinking of Bangladesh, for example, uh, we will face um, mass dying situations, we will need another kind of support, I think then the main purpose isn't surviving anymore, but a kind of terminal care. Um, maybe the Buddhist understanding of compassion, a spontaneous reaction that leads to acting, is a very helpful attitude. What do you think about a hospice situation? Wolfgang, I think that's a, a very intriguing paradigm because there still is meaningful action that you can do in a hospice situation or in this very uncertain times when intellectually, I think so many of us have thought this day is coming, seeing cascading disasters and exponentiation. It's one mm -hmm. thing to see it and to write about it. Uh, it's totally another thing to experience it when it's happening. And even for us who've thought about it for a long time, 
uh, I find myself at times in a, in a state of disbelief or a state of cognitive dissonance myself. And sometimes uh, it's safe to be the ostrich with your head in the sand for a little bit because that sandbox can be somewhat of a, a safe place. <laughs> yes. I think sometimes we need that <laughs> safe place. <laughs> I, I completely concur. I think that there is room as these major changes are occurring for innovation to still take place in the humanitarian field and the disaster field. In fact, I think it's almost like a sort of a very rapid evolution where you could see changes occurring, whether you have a hospice paradigm or just a very dis disruptive paradigm uh, going forward. I think mm -hmm. there are opportunities for organizations to increase their capacity building and to become more effective in the way that they uh, support their communities with disasters. I think it's it's such a new field, and I think a lot of organizations are going to be interested to to evolve on their own and to become much more highly effective at, at dealing with abrupt climate disruption, or at least more interested in it. I think that there's an opportunity for many of the threat analysis that occurs uh, when looking at hydrometeorological events or other disasters to really become much more multidimensional mm -hmm. and to look at geopolitics and security and even uh, that the, the scale of the threat uh, will be in exponentially increasing as well. And I think we have an opportunity to become much more sophisticated in the way that we look at, at disasters. I think organizations mm -hmm. have the uh, opportunity to uh, to manage themselves better, uh, to be more equipped for surge, and to be able to adopt to new funding streams, which may occur with these disasters. I think inevitably some of that is going to happen, at least for the medium term. And there is going to be a craving for many organizations, local governments, uh, and nonprofits, et cetera, to really have a craving for uh, some resilience and resilience programming. So Mm -hmm. Just as the disasters are creating exponential change, I think there will be changes in the humanitarian and disaster profession as we are in this very rapidly evolving situation. I think uh, because of that, uh, it is very important uh, and our little part of this to to talk about these topics and to to talk about uh, what we what we see uh, changes of climate chaos and, and so on and how to deal with that uh, in a way, how to deal with that emotionally. Maybe not very many people like to hear it now, but there may be times where people really want to know more about that. And so thank you very much for your visit in my Faster Than Expected podcast. And thank you for your work that is more important than ever. And I'd like to mention your website, website again. It's reliefanalysis, one word, dot net. Is that right? That is correct, Wolfgang. And uh, thank mm. you so much for what you're doing as well, because it, provide so many listeners with a, a safe uh, a safe space as we said to be able to process mm -hmm. what is happening and that is more important than ever so thank you so much for your service it's always a pleasure yes thank you and goodbye stay safe
You as well. Thank you. Faster than expected. Thanks to Laura Upshaw for African Drum Dance on YouTube. If you like my podcast, please write a comment and give me a like on SoundCloud. You'll find a link and more information on my website xwer.de slash podcast. Take care.